we need to recognize that though being out of shape may be the result of sin, not a sin to be out of shape. Here we go! Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Yeah. Talk about them when you see Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. All right, Tony, we are back at it, man. Um, you, you were not able to get your coffee this time, so if you hear a strange silence or hear a thud, it's because Tony is just <laughs> just uh, <laughs> collapse. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm feeling it a little bit too. Yeah, you're um, the lack of sleep lately, but thank the Lord, I did get a better better sleep last night. But uh, in general, uh, are you doing okay? Uh, I'm tired, man. So <laughs> so I could use that coffee, but. Uh... Yeah, I felt like, uh, you know, as it, we both have uh, children under one in our house, and uh, we, and I've definitely been one that's felt like uh, it's hard to keep a routine, right? Have you been in that boat? Oh, certainly. I was talking about that uh, Sunday with uh, a class. Just, yeah, patterns and things have changed, and you're tired, you don't get up when you normally would, and all of that stuff. Um, and so it can make it hard to uh to maintain good habits and you know people it's well i guess we're in february now but we're recording but people are making resolutions and things and trying to attend uh, to their their health but uh tony i'm, I'm going to take you down memory lane here for a minute and i think i know the answer to this question but did you see the what uh, the movie heavyweights as a kid i did that was so many years ago though so did you like the movie yeah, I mean, it was fine. I, I don't remember it well, but uh, I mean, I don't remember my thoughts on it, but I think it was fine. You know, I think Ben Stiller was the bad guy, right? He was. He was uh, Tony Perkins or Perkis or something. Okay. Yeah. And he, he's wearing like, you know, spandex. And uh, so it, for those who haven't seen the movie, uh, there's this camp called, I think it was called Camp Hope. And it was a, what they called in the movie, fat camp. Uh, and it was a camp where these overweight kids would go and have fun and do different things. I think they were trying to help them to to take some steps towards physical health. And anyway, uh, this this boy's parents get him to go. Well, then all of a sudden, the the owner gets bought out by is I think an older guy, just kind of nice and gentle. And then uh, Tony Perkis, the Ben Stiller character buys the camp and comes in and he's like psycho. And um, so at one point in the movie, they, they announce on the, the loudspeakers they're like today lunch has been canceled due to lack of hustle. And uh, you know, they're like starving the kids <laughs> and making them do all this crazy physical exercise. <laughs> and then the kids revolt. And anyway, it, it's a funny movie, but <clears throat> it was just a fun way to, to think about this and bring this in. Um, but this is what we want to talk about today, physical health, fitness, these kinds of things and how that relates to faithfulness, uh, following the Lord and, and our families. Because uh, 
I don't think what well, we're not the the avenue that we're going to go towards is not sending our kids to uh, Camp Hope or the like. And it, it was kind of ironic because when I saw the movie in a few months, I was going to be going to this place. This is camp in Georgia called Camp Hope. And um, my my experience, it was not a you know camp for kids that were overweight. It was just a Christian camp. Um, I did not enjoy my experience there, and, and but it wasn't quite as bad as having uh, Uncle Tony come in and, and take over. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Tony, how much was physical health emphasized for you growing up? And has that changed for you uh, as you've moved, I guess, your own emphasis on it, um, moving into adulthood and then being a father? Yeah, that's a good question. By the way, before I answer it, I want to note I, I did Google while we're talking the heavyweights as a reminder and uh, they, to show how 90s that movie was. On the poster, it says from the creators of the Mighty Ducks. Yes, it has some of the, the same uh, kids in there, I think. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I would say that growing up, uh, I don't think it was emphasized much. Uh, you know, I grew up in Illinois and Illinois was one of the states at the time. I don't think most states at the time required as much gym as Illinois did. Uh, but Illinois required a lot of gym time in school, which maybe not didn't reflect well on the state of, you know, our health. I mean, hot dogs and Italian beefs and deep dish pizza is not exactly. Polish sausage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, those are not exactly health foods. Uh, I mean, we were the bread basket, so we had a lot of bread and not as much vegetables. Uh, I think sports were valued uh, in some ways for me growing up. I mean, I played sports and, and I was affirmed in that. And that was, you know, I, I probably burned a lot of calories through playing football. Uh, I, I think I emphasized better heat eating, though. Uh, than I did when I was a kid. I think I now, from my family, I emphasize a lot better eating. Uh, th and though I am a stress eater, but I do probably better now. And I probably make better choices now in general, but I have worse metabolism. So I might be more of a weight than I was when I was in 17. I was 17, but the reality is that, you know, we could eat a pizza for every meal, a whole pizza for every meal when we're 17, and we could probably be in good shape, right? It does tend to work that way. Um, yeah, when I think of the Midwest, it's like it's cold in the winter. I think it's people sitting around eating brats and drinking beer, watching Big Ten football and <laughs> yeah. the Bears or the Packers. You know, yeah. um, so I, you know, my own growing up, I had my parents were divorced, and one side was very, very into physical fitness and all that went with that, how to achieve that. Um, the other side, not that they didn't care. I, mean, I say it was emphasized an average amount, but not nearly to the, uh, the extent that it was. But anyway, that, so that did shape me. And I played a lot of sports. And um, so I was conscious of those things. Uh, and sometimes I think in a, in a wrong, maybe an idolatrous way or in a, an unhelpful way. Yeah. Um, and then moving into adulthood, it's never left me, but just trying to, to have a good balance. And like, there's things where like, I don't know, at one point, there's just things that we don't keep around our house. Um, not because we think it's sinful. It's just like, well, I'm just not going to spend my money on this. It's not really good for us. But my kids made some kind of like, dad, you don't let us have such and such. And I was like, well, I don't have such and such. It's not like I'm, you know, going and scarfing it and then i deprive you it's like we just don't really do that yeah. <laughs> um you know but there are times like i'll let my kids have stuff that 
I wouldn't eat or I would not eat large quantities of. It's like, okay, yeah, you can, you can do that. But, um, cause I don't want to have some unhealthy relationship to, uh, to physical health and not just being unhealthy, but just viewing it, how you even view that, that whole subject. Um, so you, you brought up the nineties and, uh, I can't remember if, if Keenan Thompson was in that one. I know the guy that played the goalie in the mighty ducks was, was in there, but, uh, Goldberg, but, uh, have you noticed changes in the attitudes towards physical health over the course of your life? And if so, what do you think has driven some of those changes? Yeah. Well, given that I don't go to film festivals for heavyweights as much as you do, clearly, uh, I probably have less awareness of it. I, I think we have overcorrected on ways, though. So I, I do think that there probably was a lot more shame, uh, I, you know, in the past on being overweight. Uh, and even the fact, even that title of that film, you know, so, uh, you know, I think it was, it was not really shameful, my understanding of the message. But uh, the, even the, some of the marketing was a little, you know, that uh, look at look at, you know, the fat people. I mean, a lot of there was not, a lot of 90s actors, comedy actors that were that they were overweight. And that was kind of the whole comedy that look at the fat guy. Uh, and but now that's not as much something that happens. And I think that's a good thing. But I, I do fear that we have overcorrected. You know, on we, we hate fat shaming, uh, which is good, but we've almost kind of created an idea that, you know, that there's no worthy discussion at all on a being a being overweight being overweight we almost sometimes just see it's just only genetics never something else and if it's you know eating a lot of food well then you know there's nothing wrong with that that's just kind of a personal choice and uh, that we should think highly of uh, and i think that's kind of a reflection of our therapeutic age but also what's interesting is while that's happening uh, because of the rise of fitness apps and the rise of certain technology like uh, like a um, you know fitness watches my wife has the name brand one I can't even think what it's called and I bought it for her uh, there I think health talk has become more mainstream you know even as people have gotten more overweight and there's less shame in it there is more of kind of a culture familiarity with certain elements of of talking and thinking through health matters. And because of these things, some people have lost some weight and have gotten healthier. Uh, I, I think they're ironically, even though that's the case, I think there actually has become more recognition in churches of the problem and the hypocrisy of the fat Baptist pastors. And uh, in a way that probably wasn't just kind of, you know, almost you roll your eyes at that, sometimes real reality sometimes real reality at poland baptist church and uh, and now we probably more of a recognition that hypocrisy on those kind of decisions is not helpful what do you think ben well yeah you bring up the thing about the baptist pastors and though i'm sure there's a lot of hidden aspects of this but there's ways i think that maybe gluttony would be a bigger issue in southern baptist churches than you know alcoholism but people get all fired up about drinking alcohol in, in some context, yeah. um, but not so much about eating too much fried chicken or whatever else, chocolate. Um, yeah. So you, you highlighted some things that I have also noticed, and there is, I think that's good that, yeah, we don't shame someone who at least appears, maybe in our opinion, oh, you're not as physically fit. Uh, and it is a little bit of a nebulous category i mean you don't have to look like a 
you know, NFL running back to be fit where you're, you know, just chiseled and got no body fat on you and yeah. all that. that. That's not, you don't have to be at that level to, to have you know, physical health, but we've seen kind of the rise of the body, body positivity uh, notion. I actually heard an interview on NPR uh, with this woman who was, she, you know, highlighting, but in the sense of uh, advocating uh, what you were saying about like any, any discussion of being overweight, like that is just out of bounds. Um, and almost to the point is like, yeah, it's fine. And, and I think just making some people almost make the argument that, yeah, it's actually good for you. Um, and I mean, I think it's just the, the science is pretty clear from yeah. at least what I've heard that, you know, especially large amounts of visceral fat and having it around your organs is just, it's problematic for your body. It's having to work harder. And, um, I mean, I've, I've talked to people who have had, uh, you know, some kind of gastric surgeries and they were trying, you know, they lost a large amount of weight and just getting, walking to the grocery store was a major ordeal, like having to lean on the cart and then, you know, the, the wear and tear doesn't joints and things like that. But I mean, physical health is not just a matter of weight. Um, you know, on the other side, you have this, like, some people call it the bro movement on, you mm -hmm. know, there's finance bros, so there's fitness bros and, you know, you got to hustle and lift hard and train hard and, you know, be a, a bad, you know what, um, you know, like David Goggins kind of approach and that like, that's the, the way you have to do it. You have these super niche diets and people like vegans and then you have carnivores and it's just be fun gotta to get those liver. two in a room and let them go at it. Got to eat a bunch of uh, liver. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, you see people too having almost this religious zeal for food, um, and what kind of food you eat. And yeah. I think it's people will make something ultimate. And so, and also just the, the, uh, fruit from the tree of individualism of, you know, it's, well, I, I just choose to be, uh, overweight or I choose to be this way or that way. And, um, it becomes just a matter of personal choice, like you said, rather than look at it. There's these objective standards. If, if you are 75 pounds over kind of what a someone from your, your frame should be, that probably is going to cause you some, some uh, physical effects, but also could affect your emotions and stuff. Just, you know, yeah. there's, and depending on what you're eating, those kind of things. Um, so there, there's, it's a complicated picture, I think. Yeah. So Looking, narrowing in on not just the society as a whole, but Christians' attitudes in our society towards physical health, um, how do you think that tends to compare to the culture around us? I think it differs chiefly on the matter of, of the chief end of man and our purpose. Uh, and, and I think that leads to a pretty significant difference. You know, in the culture, the, the purpose of, of pursuing physical health tends to be in some way, shape, or form for vanity you know i mean we see all these guys you know the, the the youtubers that are about getting in shape you know it's look how good you'll look you know or even how good you'll feel uh and uh i mean and so this really drives a lot of it or you know kind of a sense of superiority but with christians you know a, a striving towards physical health should be and must be even towards serving other people I mean, this is a way to kind of fulfill uh, the, the, the great commandments uh, to, you know, serve God and serve others. That we, we pursue physical health not as a means to love ourselves or a means to broadcast ourselves, but as a means to 
love our family, to take care of those who are in need. And I think that's a very real difference. So, uh, you know, I also think that despite what can be seen sometimes in Christians, I think the Christian worldview is a science celebrating an evidence-based worldview. And so, you know, we, uh, we have, we live in kind of a fad world where people, you know, just follow whatever their favorite YouTuber or Instagrammer or, you know, uh, that, uh, whatever a TikToker thinks is great health advice. And that's not always the case. And we as Christians are people that should question and study and, you know, dive deep into things to find, to be a sleuth for truth in these kind of decisions. And I think that will make a Christian view of health, healthy living a little bit different. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think the goal that we're pursuing should be different. Now, this doesn't mean that that's always reality. And I've found some Christians can be hyper-focused on these things. I've also found sort of a dualism, this you know neoplatonism, I guess enough with yeah. $60 words, but this view that the body is bad or doesn't really matter that much but the soul is what matters. And so I just need to make sure that I'm tending to my soul and well, my body, I'm going to die and go to heaven. So what's it mm-hmm. matter? And that's not fully Christian either. Yes. We need to, to tend to our souls, but that doesn't mean we ignore our bodies and, and fallen humans. We're just not very good. And I'm not going to say finding balance, but it finding the right spot. We, we like a pendulum yeah. kind of swinging back and forth. And so finding where is that spot in there? Yeah. So, and we should reject the dualism strongly. And what, I think we'll get into that, but I think the ironic thing is actually, even though Christians can have that attitude, I think a right Christian attitude is the only one that gets past the kind of, you know, our body's just going to die because I mean, to be frank, you know, if somebody gets cancer and they can't work out, I mean, I've known of people that, that live healthy and, you know, what's the point? Just enjoy a cheeseburger, enjoy bacon cheeseburgers until you die. Who cares if you get a little fat? You know what I mean? If you're going to, if a lot of this purpose is gone, but you know, if our purpose is towards godliness and we believe that this body is created by God to be used for us purposes and we even believe that it'll be risen up, that grants a very different perspective, even when we know that our death will come. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we want to dig into some. So what does the Bible say about how we should approach physical health? And I realize we haven't really defined physical health and I'm okay with that. Yeah. That's, um, it's like, it shouldn't be a certain set of measurements or BMI or something like that. Like that's not the sum total, but how should we approach the health of our bodies and does it matter to God? Yeah. Well, I, if I remember right, the Bible says that we should work out four days a week for 37 minutes on average minimum uh, and that uh, we need to weigh precisely 194 pounds rel- that depending on our height of course for men right isn't that what the bible says so, i think it's one of the appendices yeah. <laughs> so no uh, there's a couple verses that stuck out to me here so uh, the first passage that i i thought of with this question is first timothy 5 and uh, in First Timothy five twenty three specifically, so uh, and the, and this is actually kind of a I think a weird passage to bring up for this topic, but I think it's a relevant one. And so in this passage, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he actually urges Timothy to to drink a little wine uh, that with his water uh, for the sake of his stomach 
just randomly as he's teaching Timothy to be a godly pastor, he kind of throws it in there. And, and, and I think people have used that to justify that we can drink alcohol. And I think that's an appropriate use of this verse. But also, I definitely think what Paul is really doing there is he's he's telling us that we need to make sure that we watch our health in a way that uh, in such a way that it makes sure that our health doesn't hinder our usefulness to God because that was his concern. His concern was not drink a little wine so that you know you can have make sure that you don't get sick and can go to the gym tomorrow and get six pack abs. Uh, he wants to make sure that there's nothing including his physical health, that becomes an obstacle to his usefulness to God. And I think that's an interesting verse that kind of pushes back against this kind of almost uh, a, a ungodly asceticism. And uh, Proverbs 30, 23, 2 is another uh, interesting verse, I think misused. Proverbs 23 talks about gluttony, uh, but glut- and, uh, and it says, and put a knife to your throat if you're given to appetite. Now, I, I think it needs to be noted that Biblical gluttony was not eating fast food on the road so that you can make it to your next work meeting. That biblical gluttony has had far more to do to kind of a a kind of almost a seize the day type of action, where you know that you are you are lit, where you've made that you you're kind of living for this kind of frivolity. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's not a matter of making poor food choices, but it's having poor food practices. But nonetheless, we can still do that. Gluttony in this way is a real problem that we can gorge on food, that we can treat food as an idol. I can do that. And that is sin. And further, mm-hmm. First Corinthians 6, 19-20 is the last uh, passage that comes to my mind, which I think can be misused because I think that it's not primarily about our physical health at all. But it, the First uh, Corinthians 6, 19-20 does show that our body is a gift from God. And as a gift, it is meant to be intentionally used to glorify him, just like all other gifts from God. So, I mean, these are all kind of vague things, but can you think of any more specific verses? Maybe any call, any biblical passages that tell us whether or not we should do free weight bench or or barbell bench? (laughs) Well, Paul does bring up to Timothy um, that physical training is of some value, but godliness is, you know, valuable for this life and the next or so i'm not quoting it exactly perfect but he is acknowledging um that giving some attention and effort towards your physical health is a value now they also lived in a culture where you walked a lot of places i mean maybe at times you rode a donkey or a horse or a wagon or something like that but there was a lot of walking so there was already more movement going on than we have in our society Mm -hmm. um but Paul also makes these allusions to athletics. And so there were people who did train for a specific purpose. They were trying to enhance their, their physical ability and performance to win, uh, uh, you know, a crown and not, he's not suggesting that we should all then go compete to, uh, win Olympic crowns. He was just, he's acknowledging that was going on in the society. Um, so there was a, some level of going past just walking place to place or, you know, a lot of people doing manual labor. Um, I think it is worth us noting in our society that many people have jobs or lifestyles that are more sedentary. And so that may that that factors in, I think, to our equation and our practices. If you're sitting at a desk all day, um, I mean, it can even I know I mean, I try to get up and things like that and stretch out. But like certain days that I don't get up from my desk enough, I have 
issues with my left shoulder and I can just feel it tight in the back of yeah. it and things versus days where I've been up more, I've been walking around, maybe prayer walking or just doing different things. And if I've been upright, it helps that. And so, I mean, some of those things, you know, then that can affect my usefulness uh, and just how you, you feel. Are you able to go serve? Um, but yes, we're just, we are deteriorating and there are things that we can do to maybe slow that down. We can't stop it. There are some people, they seem to think that um, if they just work hard enough and eat the right foods, that they just won't age. And no, Genesis 3 is coming. It <laughs> you is, know? yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like LeBron James, he spends like a million dollars a year on his body. And he's still, he's 38 years old, I think. And still, I think many consider probably one of the top 10 players in the NBA. I think he's the oldest player in the league and still is one of the absolute best. Um, and so for him, it's a good investment. Yeah. Uh, I'm not in, I'm only a year younger than LeBron, but I'm not quite in that shape. Oh yeah. Um, well, but, but, but even then I think you see that, like, I doubt Luka Donick or whatever his name is. Uh, I doubt he puts, uh, nearly that much money and yet you know because he's probably like 22 23 and you know and he he's better than lebron is right now and uh he doesn't have to put a million dollars towards it right yeah now you know when lebron i think when lebron was that age he probably would have owned him but um oh yeah yeah and when lebron yeah lebron could play against 24 year old lebron it would not be a competition (laughs) yeah um but anyway um, so I think God does our, our physical health matters to God, but not God's not like, well, how big's your waist size? What's your BMI? No, not in that way. You know what, what we do in the body does matter to God. That whether it's sexually uh, with with food, you know, if we eat or we drink or whatever we do, we're to do no. it to the glory of God. And so we don't just get to bypass that um, and pretend like it doesn't matter. So what kind of theological issues, you know, connecting things, strands of the Bible together um, are involved in our physical health? And what does our part in pursuing physical health reveal about our beliefs, our, our theology? Yeah, I think a theological point that I think is really relevant here is that we were meant to be embodied as creatures mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, that, that is not an accident. Sometimes we, we see the body as a shell and, you know, just kind of almost like what's necessary for us to exist until we're in heaven where we get the better and we can just be in soul. But that's not true. God intentionally created us as embodied beings. Uh, and our bodies are gods for his glory. And I think that is a deeply relevant uh, aspect of this theology. This is not, we live in a time where I think part of why we overgone in health and also why we've said it doesn't matter if you treat your body like garbage is because we think our bodies are our own. My body, my choice. But our bodies are actually theologically God's bodies. It's everything mm-hmm. is God, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And, and as such, they're to be used for God's glory, not our own purposes. I also think that uh, another theological issue that plays a part is a theology of the resurrection and a theology mm-hmm. of the new creation. Because when we, if we un- have a biblical view of these things, we are also not going to see the treatment of our body as something that doesn't matter. I've said in another podcast, I think, and I've said it to many people, that I think that a tree that we plant in this life is probably potentially a tree that we could eat a fruit from in the new heavens and new earth. And that maybe I think that, you know, a salad that we eat in this life is a salad that will 
you know, a salad that will nurture the body that we experience, that we have in the new heavens, new earth, even though our body is going to be perfected. And I think that understanding that God does not scorn his old creation, but he perfects it, I think means that how we treat our body now matters even long term. Uh, and I think how and if we do uh, treat our body well, it shows our beliefs about the body and this life fundamentally. You know, again, whether or not if we, if we don't care about health, I think it probably shows to some degree that we see this body as a husk. And whether we whether we want to say it or not, that's kind of our that's kind of a practical theology, whether it's actually our stated theology. Both really good points. And it made me think as you're talking, did you see the Ninja Turtles show from like the late 80s, early 90s? Did you ever watch that? Of course I did. I had all the toys. Who didn't? <laughs> okay, so do you? I don't even remember the, his name, but the bad guy who was like that little brain but had little arms, but he had, he could get in this little or not little, it was this body thing, and he could uh, like a robot, and then he could control things. How do you not remember Krang? Krang, that's it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I watched this a lot, but yeah, it's been a while. So yes, I was just thinking of we're, we're not that, or we're not little brains on a stick, um, or even a soul that just has this shell. And so, um, the proper mode of human existence is to be embodied. And so, like even Jesus himself has a body yeah. right now. Um, and so, humanity, uh, physical embodied humanity, is that important to God that He took it on and, and will have it forever. And so, I think it's it's evaluating or it reveals whether we really believe that the material creation that God has made is good or not. And so, and are we responsible to cultivate and steward it or just like use it up and abuse it? And so, um, that that comes out in what we do with our bodies. Um, so can cultivating physical health be an act of worship? And if so, how do we pursue that? Yeah, I, I think it absolutely can if we do it for the right reasons. Uh, I, I think, again, our purpose is really core to here. It's not, it, it, it is an act of worship for the person that, you know, wants to have the best beach bod possible, but they're having, they're worshiping themselves. <laughs> or they're worshiping the opinion of other people. It really bothers me sometimes how Christians can embrace that, but whatever. Uh, I, I do think getting healthy to love your family better, or perhaps getting healthy to have more energy to help other Christians. I think that can be deeply worshipful. And, and I think it does have an impact, you know, that the reality is the person who gets good sleep, uh, that the person who eats well, the person who, you know, makes sure that they're, you know, not that, uh, that their body is reasonably healthy as a person that will have more energy and more opportunity to serve other people. And I think that, uh, you know, the second is like it when Jesus said the, the greatest commandments are to love God uh, that uh, and love your neighbors yourself. And, and he said the second is like it. So we love we worship God by allowing ourselves and by setting ourselves up to be of best service to other people. Uh, and I think also not jumping to what we most delight in can be an act of worship. It can be profoundly worshipful. You know, when I when I'm stressed, there are times in which, you know, I I've gone to chips and queso or Oreos or, you know, whatever else. It hits Which are vegan, by the way. Yeah, they are vegan. Yeah. So and uh, I've gone to those kind of things. And because that's ultimately in those times, I am basically most delighting in the sweet taste or, you know, 
uh, that or you know the umami taste and queso whatever it is uh and when i should uh, and going to god instead in those moments that is a deep and beautiful act of worship what do you think ben really good points i think that yeah certainly it can be an act of worship um we're to do uh, quoted it earlier uh, i think it's first corinthians 10 31 um you know whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do do it all to the glory of god he says Paul says something similar in Colossians that, uh, and that that's our concern. And so it can be an act. We can act in faith that what God says about us and our bodies is both true and good as we seek to cultivate and be a steward, a, a manager of it. Cause like you said, it's not our body in the end, my choice, it's God's body. And so what are we doing with it? Uh, but dealing with our motivations is also really important. And so trying to be conscious about it, and praying for help that uh, God would help us to be conscious and to be aware of the reason that we're doing it, whether it's the food that we eat, the sleep that we get. Um, yeah. I mean, we could do a whole conversation on that. Sometimes we can act like we're God and, and not get sleep and just think that we can keep going. Um, it's just a reminder, like God still is managing the world and accomplishing his will and building his kingdom while you were laying there breathing deeply and slowly and doing accomplishing mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. Um, and so um, that has a big effect on our physical health as well. Um, the, the movement we do, whether you would call it exercise or not, like our bodies were made to move um, the, the muscles and the tendons and the bones. Like it's not just to bring food to our mouth, though that can be an act of worship yeah. too. Um, you know, but to just sit there and, either sit at our desk and work or sit on the couch and watch stuff. Um, that's not what our bodies were made for. They were um, made to move. And so as we do those things, I think we can become increasingly conscious that we're doing it to glorify God. And I think that it, some people, you know, they talk about runners high, um, other things. Like if you enjoy, like I get together once a month with some guys from our church and we play basketball. And I mean, it's really good physical exercise, but there's also the social component there's a yeah. discipleship component. Um, there's an outreach component. And so I think it's fine. If you like playing basketball, go play basketball. Like you can yeah. do that to the glory of God. Yeah. Um, some people really enjoy lifting weights or they enjoy running. And it can just be a, uh, an enjoyable thing to do. But um, I, I read an article a number of years ago, and the guy was encouraging physical exercise to remind you of your needs because pushing yourself to f and seeing your limits and going, Okay, I've got limitations. Like I, there, there's walls I can't get past. I need the Lord. Now, maybe not everybody's going to do that, but uh, this guy, I, I didn't know him personally. I knew who he was, um, and he was. I see him around, and I mean, he was kind of a tall, thin guy, and he liked to run, and so he would push yeah. himself to kind of do his cardiovascular limit. Um, so yeah, I think we can pursue that with God's help, and, and even if sometimes our motivation is off, if we're we don't, I don't think we just stop. Like there's times when we could um, serve someone or do something that's righteous and we don't, maybe we have mixed motives, but we don't just not do the righteous thing because our motives are mixed. Yeah. Like we, we try to keep going and look at Lord, make these motives pure. Um, and so, you know, well, I'm just going to wait till I'm really good at this. And I'm really only doing this because of completely God glorifying reasons, loving others. Um, I think you, you keep pressing on. Um, on the flip side, though, can cultivating physical health be idolatry? And how, if so, how can we run away from that? 
Absolutely, it can be. It very often is, even among Christians. Uh, I, I think this can be idolatry when we do this for a status or for vanity purposes, which again, I mean, that's common. I mean, I know of Christians that have, you know, gone basically worked out in such a way and that their goal was for like a bikini, uh, that bikini competition. I, I, I'm not kidding. I know of Christian leaders that have done that kind of thing. And, uh, the, and, and I think that can be, any, that can be blatantly an idolatrous, unhealthy kind of thing. But even if it's not for that avert thing, I mean, to be a fear of man is an aspect of an idolatry. And when we are working towards physical health to be seen a certain way by other people, I think we have missed the point. We've missed the boat, if you will. Uh, and how we avoid this is that we see this reality and that uh, we see, you know, I'm sorry. Ah, sorry. Edit that. Edit that. So I take out before how you avoid this. So, but I, I think we, we see the reality that physical health can be idolatry, even from the fact that how Christians have approached the big name pastors, you know, uh, the celebrity preacher, preachers. You know, there's very few of them anymore, especially in the Instagram age, that are any what overweight. And that's okay that they're not overweight, but they tend to be something else. What do they tend to be? Kind of swole. Yeah, they tend to be ripped, right? In a way that you can see and you can tell. And I think that shows that even Christians have made this about, uh, you know, idolatry because there's nothing inherently godly about being swole, you know, uh, swole. The, the person that's all, that skinny, that, uh, relatively speaking, or just a normal, you know, that build is not, uh, failing to glorify God or unhealthy. But we value the vanity as seen in the fact that all these new celebrity preachers in Instagram age, they're all swole. Uh, but I think we avoid this then by assessing our purpose, the purpose of our pursuing healthy living. And, you know, what we also assess what we find rewarding when we're pursuing that. Again, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's godly even to enjoy the, you know, going and good, have a good workout. But if we find rewarding the person that likes the Instagram posts or, you know, because how healthy we are, if we find rewarding, you know, seeing our, uh, seeing what we've done, how incredible we are, I think this demonstrates that we are doing this for idolatrous reasons. Mm. Those are good uh, warnings. And I think, yeah, it absolutely can become idolatry. And we have to look at our motives. And I think through the word interacting, you know, the spirit bringing it, um, highlighting things in our hearts, we pray and ask God, we repent. But again, I don't think it means that we stop doing things that would lead to physical health, whether that's, you know, the food choices we eat, the movement and exercise choices or the sleep, um, because they they are interrelated. And uh, anyway, we don't just run from those things until we get it all figured out. But I think we really do give targeted effort. I mean, I, I've just found that to be true. If you've got an, an area of sin and struggle, the way that you you repent of it and, and make progress turning from it is giving it targeted, regular effort. Whether you memorize scripture about it and you meditate on that, or this is one thing I'm going to do to work and drill down on this thing. Um, I mean, I, I would advise I mean, some people post, you know, their, their runs or something on so their, their routes, which I mean that if you're a woman in particular, that introduces safety concerns, I think like yeah. this is my running route every day. Um, 
but then like posting pictures of yourself exercising or videos of yourself. Um, I'm not saying it's inherently simple. I can see how it quickly would become like, look at me. I am a strong bad boy or wow, look how good I look in this sports bra and you know, little shorts or whatever the case is. Um, so, I mean, if that's, if that's becoming a concern, I think you just, that's just an easy one. You just cut it out. Yeah. Um, go, go exercise for sure. Um, but don't dress in a way that's going to draw undue attention to your level of fitness. Um, because certain people are just going to be more aesthetically, whatever appealing. Um, but the the answer to to deal with that is not to swing to some kind of asceticism where it's just this all doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, how about, what do we do with people, uh, particularly other believers, that approach these things differently? Maybe they make different choices about health, or they seem to not really care. Yeah, I, I think the thing I actually care about the most that I'm going to say this whole podcast episode is this: that I think we need to recognize. That though being out of shape may be the result of sin, it's not a sin to be out of shape. I'm going to repeat that. It is not a sin to be out of shape. And it is not always a result of sin. And I want to say that, uh, you know, actually, unfortunately, I knew a pastor who was in decent shape. Uh, and he mocked a godly woman at his church, uh, and was disgusted by her because she was pretty significantly over, overweight in the obese area. And, but she had major health concerns. And I, you know, I spent a lot of time around this woman, this woman who loved Jesus. And, uh, you know, and I know that she made, you know, she made very wise, uh, decisions for her health. You know, she was, she ate way better than I did, way better than I think he did, and yet she was still overweight. And so, and it's not, sometimes that's how it works. Sometimes is not a result directly of sin, but it's, you know, the, but it just happens to be the result of a broken world. And, and I think that humility, and I think maybe even to some degree, it's wise to assume that we don't know the whole picture when we see somebody who's out of shape. Uh, so I think showing empathy uh, because of this. And I think in part we show empathy because we need to know something that I didn't realize when I was in college, for example. And I, we need to know that gluttony is very different from what we consider gluttony today. And you often don't know what makes it hard for somebody to make the health decisions that you make. I, I mean, the person who, the person that is a single 24 year old that lives in his parents' basement and, you know, that has lots of free times, it's really easy for them to be in shape in a way that, you know, maybe for a mom of five or six kids, it's just, it, that doesn't mean it's impossible, but it might be a whole lot harder and you need to be careful. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, but I do think if you are close to a person, it's okay to discuss these kind of things with them. Uh, but don't die in this kind of hill, especially because, you know, there are Christians that are going to have different views of how to be healthy and what is the best way to pursue this. So what are your mm-hmm. thoughts here, Ben? I think that was very wise and humble, pastorally sensitive. Some of those things could be issues of conscience. I mean, maybe someone feels like if I don't, I don't know, eat a certain way or exercise in a certain way, sleep, you know, that I'm in sin. Others may feel some more freedom with that. And again, the Bible does not give us a, a specific, you know, BMI thing, which I don't even really like the BMI thing because um, it doesn't really take into consideration like your body composition. Um, 
And I mean, like for instance, you know this, but I, a lot of people listening, man, like I'm not an overweight guy, but my BMI is like right up next to what's considered like healthy. Like I'm just about considered overweight, but I mean, you know, it's been a while since we've been in person. Um, but the last time you saw me, like, I don't think you were like, whoa, Ben, dude, no. you need to cut back on the cheeseburgers. No, no, um, I didn't. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, it's just, it's an unreal, I'm not saying, it's just like, it's really not a good way to go off of it. Um, but, um, so I think, yeah, a, a lot of humility towards people's situation and realizing like, yeah, okay, maybe they just have bad habits and they're lazy or something um, and they just don't care. Um, maybe they don't have access to certain things that you have. Um, maybe the health issues too, there's things preventing them. And so don't jump to assumptions like, well, you know, they need to do this and they need to do that. Um, but approaching it very low and just being, th- if you do have better physical health or, you know, you, you are physically healthy, um, being thankful to God that you have that. And then again, it's not just so that you can be like a, the statue of Adonis, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> But so that you can be useful and loving to others um, but, and speak to them in love. If you've got the the kind of relationship, ask questions of them, um, try to encourage them because it, it can – I think it's related to our discipleship. It's not the biggest issue. I mean if they're sh- dealing with some other notable sins, like you, those are things you want to go after. But if you see them consistently making choices that are not going to be helpful for them and then for others – you know, that there is a place for that. And it's very sensitive in our culture. Um, now, you know, we're talking about fat shaming and things like that. And some people feeling that any discussion of it is just out of bounds. It's like, well, no, I mean, we need to, you know, I mean, if your, your doctor brings it up, are you going to be like, you're fat shaming me? Um, well, no, I mean, it's kind of the doctor's job to address things like, hey, this is the data. Um, though I do know someone that they actually stopped going to their doctor and they, they admitted like, yeah, I've, I'm overweight. But the doctor was just like psycho about it. Like the way he was, you know, pounding me like you need to do this and you do that. Um, I, I've been told by some in the medical community and I don't know if the, this is more anecdotal, but I've actually heard that because of the culture and our attitude towards you know, uh, our, our oversensitivity towards fat shaming. I've heard that doctors are less likely to tell people they need to lose weight when they need to lose weight. Oh, I'm not surprised. Um, now, this happened just a few months ago, or at least that I was told about this thing. So this guy apparently didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> Um, yeah, because he came after the actually both the husband and the wife. The, the husband is overweight. The wife would be underweight probably. Um, and he was just going after this and that. And they're like, okay, we think we just want to find another doctor. But um, so looking into the family, uh, what principles do you think should guide parents as they seek to try to promote physical health for their children and for themselves? What are some things that just to keep in mind in the big picture? Well, I, I think when we think about a parent's role of providing, you know, this is a God-given role. I think we need to understand that part of the God-given role of a parent to provide is to provide nutrition, I, not because that's what humans need. That's what children especially need, not merely to provide food on the table, to provide nutrition. I'm not going to spell that out more than that because I know every family's case is different. And I, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dietitian. But I do know that that sometimes we don't care about. Some parents 
do not care about those things. It's just about getting them food that they'll eat. And I do not believe that that is adequately providing for them. And, you know, and I think that even the state, even state agencies would feel the exact same way. And I, I think they see that because not because state agencies are trying to come in and break up families, but because they're aware of the reality of a child's need as how God created them. Uh, I, I think also that another principle that we should have is that good health is an avenue to serve other people. And so we raise our children to value this because we raise our children to serve other people. And it's harder to do that, again, without a concern for our own health. Uh, I, I, I would say one thing very clearly, too, that we cannot shame our children in this matter and that we shouldn't focus on their parents. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, there are children that will have this struggle that could have genetic struggles with this. And especially especially in the teen years when puberty is going crazy, it can be extremely hard. And I think it can be okay to help them make different dietary choices, but don't dare any parents listening to this. Don't dare any adult say to a minor that you're fat to a child or you're gross or, you know, imply that there's some, uh, that there's something despicable in how they look. Mm. Yeah. It's a sensitive matter. I think with kids as they age and they're growing and their bodies are changing, just all kind of things. Um, but I think we do want to keep in mind that our bodies do matter. God made us embodied, which we've talked about. And so, yeah, the things that you were saying about nutrition, not just calories, but that doesn't mean you've got to have the most pure source. I, I mean, you could just go crazy with it. And some people do. Uh, we did a whole podcast on on that, like you're going to feed your kids that. I mean, some people, it yeah. just gets extreme and the mom blogs and the stuff on the internet and oh man, but our bodies do matter, but our physical health is not absolute. No. And so, you know, we're not, um, do, do you know who Todd Moranovich is? Yeah. He, Todd Moranovich, that was the guy who was like raised to be a football star. Oh, his like, dad was like doing exercises yeah, with him in yeah. the crib and, you know, he'd go to birthday parties and he couldn't have cake. He'd have like carrot sticks and celery <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's extreme. That's kind of neurotic. Um, and so I I think that we got to keep that in mind too. Um, our physical health is not the absolutely most important matter that we deal with. Well, and uh, even and from a secular to, perspective, huh? that doesn't work. I mean, if you watch the... I, I think there's a uh, 30 for 30, the Todd Moranovich prov- uh, that, uh, uh-huh. and yeah, I mean, it, it did not, the, the parent, that parenting style, it majorly blew back on, on them. And it, I mean, it ruined his life. His life. And I mean, it, I think that they have reconciled, but it also damaged their relationship in a major way. Yeah. Um, if I remember right, they had, they had reconciled, but um, yeah, that was not good. But I think, too, we want to just help our kids to build good, sustainable habits that are going to be a blessing to them, but also they're going to be a blessing to others. And I, I like what you said, just keeping that is the aim is love. And so what we do with our bodies, whether it's eating, sleeping, um, physical exercise and that kind of thing, uh, it is a way to, to love. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's complicated because it gets all these emotional things as they're growing, but – just because we can't come up with an exact rubric of like this is what you should quote you know should do to glorify God, that doesn't mean that you can't come up with anything and say, so, well, this is just how we're going to do it as a family. 
So what role, if any, do you think churches have in this issue related to physical health and helping to disciple families? Yeah, so I think churches are places where we fight together uh, the sins behind the poor health that we have. You know, because again, it's not sin to be in poor health necessarily, but there's sins that can get can be behind that. And actually, I, I'm thankful that one of the feather elders, uh, uh, Michael Breton, loves Jesus, and he's challenged me to lose weight with him and keep track with one another. And I'm we're, I'm losing a little weight. I think he's doing better than I am. Uh, and it's a competition that I need to start winning soon. Uh, but uh, I what's think- that that stuff that people can take now that they're like. It's something like for diabetics, but it makes you lose weight like at a like an alarming rate. Uh, that sounds definitely. Maybe, maybe you want to short circuit it, man. Just. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. But uh, no, I think it can be very appropriate to have that be part of a church relationships. Uh, I think we we should and churches. I think we can and should talk about food and lethargy uh, as matters that we talk about together. Uh, you know that just like we talk about porn. And, you know, we, we are quick in the modern American church, and I think rightly to talk about the problem of porn, uh, but we don't, I feel like we don't preach and we don't talk about idolizing food, and we don't preach and talk about as much about the person who, who intentionally does not use that exercise and push a physical body, but instead becomes what, you know, the Bible would almost call uh, that could be uh, called a lazy bones, at least could call the lazy bones from the, from the summary of a, of a proverb that was made by Sovereign Grace Music. So uh, I think we should also be places that don't focus on the appearance side, though, but instead focus on the wise living side. I think we mentioned a while ago, you know, a church got in trouble near where we went to seminary for requiring that uh, the worship leaders all have a certain BMI. And that was definitely focusing on the appearance side of things. But we should be focused instead on on how we live wisely rather than how we necessarily look or our opinion, uh, the opinion that other people have of us. What do you think, Ben? I think those are all really wise. Uh, I was actually thinking of that church when you, when you brought it up. Um, and... I think, you know, this gets back to those theological issues, but that we're clear and we teach a good, you know, you could call it anthropology, a doctrine of humanity. Um, we teach on human embodiedness and what we do in our body matters. So that gets you talked about porn. Yeah. Well, that's one thing and just sexuality. That is something we do as embodied creatures. And the same goes for our physical health. Um, Jesus's incarnation and the resurrection and the new creation, like th- those are we're bringing that out when it comes and finding other ways to help teach people what it means to be human and how do we care for that? How do we care for the creation? It's, um, it is part of what God has made to be stewarded. Um, also raising ethical considerations and trying to help people build a good life architecture came across that term recently. I was like, yeah, I like that because it, 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 you know, suggest some intentionality and some structure there that can then help move us forward in love and in righteousness um and and helping just uh, having a culture of humility issues of conscience that kind of thing that we're just developing those muscles in other ways and you know uh, pun intended or um something i'm not sure a little muddle headed at this point but trying to to um flex those those muscles of learning how to deal with issues of conscience and so that's just going to relate to how you teach and the culture you're building as a whole um but i really like what you said at the beginning 
of your response that we deal with the the sins that can result in physical health because i think that's going to be very much connected to other issues if if we do have an issue with laziness it's not just going to show up in uh, our physical health or you know that we're going to get overweight or something like that but then we're going to not be it's just easier to sit there and watch Netflix or whatever than it is to read our Bible or to pray or to go serve someone or yeah. to uh, have conversations with our children and draw them out. Um, and so that's just one example. But those things, they that's the way scent works. It's not just like it's on an island and it has this one effect. Like it, it permeates our lives. And so as we do that, it's not just, it could result in better physical health, but also in more righteousness, more godliness, more love, more ministry, um, more evangelism. And so, yeah, it's just, it's an across the board effect. It's kind of like economics. Yeah. Uh, and I learned t- taking uh, this history class in college or uh, in high school. And it was just like, everything affects everything. And, and you, you know, it's just, it's just all so woven together. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's wise. I think that's a helpful, comprehensive look at this. Mm. Well, Tony, I appreciate you thinking with me about this. Um, I think it is an important topic that, again, we can, one, we can downplay and just like, it doesn't matter. We're just going to die and go to heaven, which is not exactly what the Bible teaches. Um, or it can become this idol. And we're trying not to have the pendulum swing to one or the other. But how, how do we be try to be? faithful and fruitful and, and have some level of fitness in this this way that God has distinctly created us. Um, again, that doesn't mean David Goggins, but it no. also doesn't mean <laughs> that, you know, it's just a personal choice whether or not you're going to take care of your body. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so hopefully this is helpful to listeners and to their families. And uh, yeah, God bless. Good word. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.